Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Embracing Chaos podcast. Today, I get to share with you my conversation I had with my friend Amy. She has walked through some extremely difficult things and opens up about one of those stories today. I think you're really going to love this one. So grab a Kleenex and here it is. Well, hi, Amy. Thank you for joining us today. <laughs> yes. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for having me. I'm this so is honored. so, I know this is so fun. I think we met at a birthday party, but before that, I like kind of met you at the park. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just thankful that we're not like just Instagram friends, that we're real life friends. <laughs> It was crazy. I went to this, I got invited to this birthday party and I had just moved here too. And I was kind of, you know, you have that feeling of like, oh, I just, I really should go, but this is so uncomfortable. I really don't. So I walked in and I remember hearing, I just plopped myself down next to you. I'm like, ladies, I'm coming in, like just (laughs) owning it. And, um, I don't, I, any of you and plop myself down, heard a bit of your story. And I think I looked at you and was like, oh, we're going to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> then I go home and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's Insta famous. No. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm over here. I'm not like by any means, I, you know, my friends are my friends on Instagram. So it's, you know, I was like, what? I was very intimidated. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, that's sad because it's just an Instagram number and I don't even know like 95% of those people. (laughs) Actually, maybe like 90. I would say I have a relationship with 10%. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yes. Okay. So a little touch of history. Um, I am the second oldest of nine children. We grew up in British Columbia, Canada. Um, I w- and we were also homeschooled. So when you think of that like huge homeschool family, that <laughs> that was me. Um, I ran track. We all kind of picked a sport. My dad was a coach, and we were really into sports. Um, so we all kind of picked a sport. I picked track um, and ended up getting a scholarship to Liberty University in Virginia. We, uh, both my parents are American, so we're dual citizens. Um, and Liberty was an awesome place for me. Um, it was a Christian school in Virginia. My, uh, some of my dad's, some of my relatives are in North Carolina. So it was kind of, you know, a little home away from home. Um, and yeah, it was wonderful. I got my BS in child psychology. Then I went on to coach track and get my master's at Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff. Um, and then from there, I worked at a couple of different universities and ended up back at Liberty in 2008. And I worked um, as I was like an assistant director of multicultural programming. Um, and that's when uh, I was a little bit older. I was single for a long time. Uh, <laughs> I was I 30 and I connected, reconnected uh, from friends reconnected us me and my husband he also had been at liberty played baseball um and then so we reconnected and got married in 2010 and um loved lynchburg i was still working at liberty we stayed there forever we um stayed there for like seven years and it was just it was wonderful we had five kids there 
my husband is in baseball and he is a scout for the Anaheim Angels. So we can, he can live anywhere. So I made him live there. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, this is our place. (laughs) I had such awesome friends there and there was a great support system for me Mm -hmm. uh, in the summer, in the spring. So that's our story. We, last year, we never thought we would leave, or at least I didn't. (laughs) He, um, Really, for his job, there's a few different things that led us to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. And here we are. His family, Yeah, his family's here. And um, also, it's just a bigger airport, you know, stuff for So we're here. And And you have family here. So that's really nice. Mm -hmm. Very helpful um, when he's traveling, especially. Um, So yeah, we're loving it. Uh, I never thought I would. You know, I was like, but I... I love it. So. Well, and you started off by getting a house that needed a lot of work. And so you <laughs> like dove into that and it took, how long has yeah. it been now? Oh my gosh. So we bought this house. It was on an acre and a half. We wanted some space for the kids to run. We didn't have a big yard in Lynchburg. So it was a huge, um, you know, goal of ours to, to get some land. Um, and we, it needed a ton of work. Yeah. <laughs> So we kind of just started renovating it. We didn't do the work ourselves, although, you know, we had a contractor do it all. Um, but I pretty much did all of the, you know, organizing. Yeah. Yeah. Design. So yeah. So it took months and months and yeah, a bit stressful, you know, with four kids, eight, six, four and two, you know, like, I want to take on a, a full gut renovation. Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty brave to do that. (laughs) That was a lot. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, you know me, I want to go deep. So let's talk about some (laughs) trials that you have faced that have really shaped your view of God. Yeah. Um, well, I got some, you have a lot. (laughs) I do. I do. The major one I will talk about, um, in, let's see, right after our honeymoon, we got pregnant with our first, uh, he was an adorable Lincoln and we were just ready to kind of dive into family. We knew we wanted three or four kids. Uh, and when he was four months old, we got pregnant again. <laughs> and naively we were like, yeah, Irish twins. Yes. Good idea. Why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? So we did, um, and I had a very typical pregnancy. It was great. I wasn't even really sick. So um, at about 28 weeks, uh, my doctor saw something just abnormal in my placenta and sent me to a specialist. He thought it was just kind of out of just a caution. Um, He wasn't too concerned about it. So I saw the specialist a few times. She was not concerned about it at all. Um, she just, you know, protocol, she had me monitored a little bit more. So from 30 weeks on, I was just monitored every twice a week. So everything seemed great. Uh, and at 35 weeks, I woke up, went to another appointment and basically lived out the nightmare of every pregnant woman. Got to the, got to the doctor's office, couldn't find a heartbeat, uh, was sent directly to get an ultrasound. And again, they confirmed that there was no heartbeat. And so from there, yeah, I was in complete shock. 
I think I cried on the shoulder of the first nurse, my nurse that was the, my doctor's nurse. And, you know, I, I, it was, it's kind of a little bit of a blur. Old Jason, he immediately came over, of course. And, um, one of the one of the distinct memories I have is is kind of this this eeriness of it. Um, I think it was a small office in a small town, and so I feel like word kind of traveled quite quickly through yeah. the office. And so it was a very eerie feeling. We were kind of led down back hallways, out back doors, that type of thing. We immediately went to the hospital and got a lot of the same. You know, walking down the hall. Uh, and I, I wasn't even a mess at this point. I was um, just completely in shock. I just remember walking past the nurses' station and uh, just kind of getting everybody just everything just completely stopped. Yeah. And they just kind of all conversations stopped and they kind of turned and started doing something. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, how does everybody know? Like this is so crazy and weird, you know? Yeah. Looking back. Um, it was a respect for the tragedy that it was, and you know it was kind of a rightful thing. But because I was in so much shock, it came across to me as just like super eerie. Yeah. You know, um, it was just kind of this like, Ugh, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, well, here you were going through the biggest trauma of your life, right? And. Yeah. I mean, for someone who's been through trauma, I understand that the world just, I just, the world stops and yeah. everybody around you, it just, it's just weird and it's hard and it is eerie and dark, I would mm -hmm. say. Yeah. I just remember thinking, you know, like, gosh, those nurses are probably drawing straws for who's going to take us on, you know? <laughs> oh gosh. You know, like, so they, they took us back to this, like the furthest room away from everybody Everything. good because I did a lot of screaming that day so it's it's yeah. probably a, so we got in there and and honestly it was a mix um it was a, quite a bit of like business my the doctors were in and out they were so sweet um, my specialist was very involved she was really um, well known in the east coast she was from duke and she was very involved in listing out what she wanted all the tests done on the baby. So it was kind of a list of like signing things and um, oh my gosh. You know, all kind of stuff. And, you know, then there was other moments where I just remember putting on the gown in the bathroom, you know, you put the gown on and I just remember sitting down and just thinking like, God, you better speak to me right now because this is an absolute nightmare. Like, and I remember thinking, I just remember distinctly, I was like, everybody is given kind of Job moments in life, yeah. you know, kind of handed like this nightmare and you're going to, you have to walk through it regardless. You know, I mean, you have one way or the other, you have to walk through it. And I just remember the sense of like, let's do this well, you know, like let's do this well. And that was kind of part of my, I guess, encouragement that day. I don't know um, how you said that right away. Like that. Yeah, I know. Very, I mean, like, I know you're, you're not like older, but <laughs> I feel like you have, you know what I mean? Like you have the wise soul. Like you're, you've always, like you just have that wise soul. Not like you're, you know, 70 years old, but <laughs> you just have that. And to say that right after is that is maturity mm. on your end. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it, there's just, and you know, 
I don't know, there was, there was lots of moments for me. So there was some sweet moments where Jason would like read me scripture and it was just us, you know, and, and we're, we're fine. It was kind of, we were numb maybe. And um, we had some friends come in and, you know, you'd start bawling and, and, and then at the birth, that was like hell on earth. You know, there wasn't kind of this aura of like heaven. I know some people have different, everybody has a different experience, but for me, it was like, awful. Absolutely awful. was absolutely screaming at the top of my lungs for her to be alive, you know? And, and I think one of the memories too, was that we were pretty terrified. They had kind of sat us down and said, we don't know for sure if there's going to be anything wrong with her physically. So any deformities. um, And so we had had ultrasounds and, and everything did look fine, but they kind of alert alerted us to the fact that, you know, there could be something physically really wrong. And so we, I I was shaking. I was terrified, but it almost made me so angry that there wasn't anything wrong. She came out perfect. Yeah. So that was a weird thing. I was like screaming because she was so perfect. (laughs) She was three pounds, 11 ounces at 35 or yeah, exactly 35 weeks. So yeah, so that happened. And of course, they give you as much time as you want with her. Um, And so my sisters came in, my brother actually was in town, he came in and, you know, held her and, and um, I think the thoughts that I had when she the birth was the worst for me, the holding her, she wasn't there. So it was kind of like, you know, I remember thinking things like I'm, it's almost nice to not have ever known her. I don't know what that sounds like, but it's almost like, I think I have friends that have gone through similar situations and they have, they have their little one live for eight hours or, you know, um, and I think, so for me, it was almost this, she's gone, like she's gone, you know, she's not here. And so holding her body was different to me than holding her, if that makes sense. And I know everybody's so different, you know, but um, for me, that's what it was. So, you know, um, we basically, after they came and got her for testing and everything, and um, they, you know, again, it was a lot of business type talk. Like we're going to contact you tomorrow about a funeral home that will, she will rest at you know, stuff like that where, you know, you're just kind of like, oh my gosh, like this is. Did but, they ever um, find out any reason? They did all kinds of testing and it all had to do with my placenta. And somehow, I don't remember the exact details, but it wasn't clotting yeah. good or something like that. Oh my um, gosh. So. Well, anyway. I want to interrupt you really quick because this is so random that I found this photo today. It says, I know that sufferings are not excellent in themselves, nor are they to be desired, but God uses them as a teacher to make known the riches of his goodness that are seldom known by any other means. Do you Mm. feel like that's true? Absolutely. Yeah. Because there's a depth, I think, that happens with your relationship with him, of course. But just in general, like I think the next few weeks or even months maybe wasn't the hardest for me. It was, you know, as a Christian, you know exactly what to say and, um, you know, that the Lord is so good and and there's just this blanket of love and um 
kind of support around you in those in those weeks and it's so wonderful I know not everybody experiences that but with a great support system you kind of just ha- are engulfed yeah and I think so that wasn't really the hardest for me I think the the hardest was getting back to normal and mm. dealing and I had never really grieved before and I didn't know that it was like this darkness that you actually like kind of go in and stay in just feel and that was so was it major depression that you yeah, had well, it wasn't major depression I feel like I know there's a I, I always kind of differentiate between I feel like depression you go in there and you can't get out maybe physically can't take your bring yourself out of that I think for for grief for me was going in and then needing to you know like practically like read the word of God and um, feeling those feelings but then also covering it with the truth and the hope the um, and just the everyday things that I love to do. I ran a lot, you know, I had great friends and, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of lift me out of those, of that place, you know, yeah. of, of darkness. And it just took a long time. I feel like yeah. I, you know, and at first it's like, oh my gosh, you're, it's like, Oof, okay, each hour, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, shoot, I'm waking up again, you know, like yeah. this is, I feel the darkness again. And then it just kind of dissipates like little by little. And, um, well, and then you got pregnant shortly after I said, and I again, think that, right? yeah, for me, that was really healing. Um, it was, it was okay. I was going to ask you that if it was healing or if it was like major fear and no. okay. Yeah. Um, my personality is not prone to fear. So I feel like, um, you know, everybody has such a different experience with yeah. it, you know, but I, I was, that was part of the healing for me, you know, cause about three months after. Um, so yeah. So I think, uh, you know, just, just the darkness was, was crazy. And, and just the reality, I think scripture became really real to me and it's like, it actually does what it says it's going to do, yeah. you know, in that darkness, you think, Oh, there's no way memorizing this verse and saying it over and over again can actually do that. But it's like, Oh wow. Okay. That just totally gave me hope. Yeah. you know so yeah that was those were dark days and it took a long long grief is crazy you know yeah. and come in so many different forms loss is crazy you know for me the two things that stand out as um just i don't know just cool things to come out on the other side with is is i feel like i there was an inner strength that's developed um and i don't i don't it doesn't sound very spiritual but I think that, you know, walking through cancer, walking through anything at the beginning, you, you really don't know you're going to be okay at the end. You don't. Yep. No, you don't know that. And, and to kind of walk through tragedy and come out the other side, you kind of do have those moments of like, man, I did it, you know, and live to tell the story and I am fine. And God actually like really did good things through that, you know? So I think that there the, the inner strength was, I don't know if it was surprising to me, but um, just a, an awesome thing. And then also perspective, I think, I don't know, subconsciously, I think I always felt like, you know, like really good things happen to or the righteous and good people. Um, no one's and, good. <laughs> no 
exactly right. And you know, you don't, the ones that haven't made the good life choices and the ones that are, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, you, you don't really, you're not surprised when things don't go right for them. And I think when you are handed that nightmare in life, I mean, it all goes out the window and it's completely and totally unfair. And it's, it's the sinful world that we live in, you yeah. know, and none of it is fair. And I think that perspective completely transformed my, you know, my perspective on everybody and what they're going yeah. through. And, um, you know, we all need Jesus and Jesus is the only one that gets us through that. Yeah. So regardless of who you are, what you've done, the same right is extended to you through the cross. Yeah. So it's like, once we realize that we're all on the same page. Yes. That it's not like tears of good and bad and righteous and not like, of course, our minds know that there's right and wrong. And of course there is out there. But when you realize like on the spiritual level of Jesus has done it all for all and Mm -hmm. it's those Mm -hmm. who, you know, receive it and live that out that really find that joy and that freedom. Yeah. Do you think you'd be where you are now without a relationship with Christ? Oh, absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's the transforming work of, you know, his saving grace, you know, and I think it's, I think all the hard things lined up in, in everybody's lives. I mean, it's, it's just this, this process that he allows us to go through and, you know, we become these needy, you know, people that just are desperate for him. And through that, you know, it's, it becomes beautiful. And I know, I know you said you're not a fearful person, but what would you say to women who are pregnant and just very fearful in the whole thing, even if they haven't gone through something hard? That was one of the most difficult things coming out of it because my story um, especially initially was everybody's, every pregnant woman's worst nightmare. And I remember going to a football game at Liberty and, you know, I was probably three, a month out maybe. And I remember a girl, um, that was an acquaintance coming up and she was really, she was quite pregnant. She was like, probably, you know, I don't know, at least halfway through, if not more. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, like I have to really reassure these girls and give them percentages, you know, because she just, I mean, it was, it was just crazy, but that was a role that I kind of had to take on. And, and I, you know, I've become pretty good at it. Cause I just am like, no, it's like 1%, 1% of pregnancies are stillbirth and stillbirth means after 20 weeks. Um, and so, you know, it's just, it's so low and it's so rare, especially full term is so incredibly rare. And it was definitely something that, you know, I want to the message out there. And I'm like, thankfully this won't happen to you. (laughs) You Um, just because it was just, it's so rare. So, well, I know what you're working on, but I really want to end the show by giving you some time to share with everybody what you're working on or what you're passionate about. What's in the works right now? Well, I have such a passion for loss in general um, and just grief and that process, I think. And um, it can take so many different forms for people. And I just, I really have such a passion for that. 
my Instagram, you can, you, I guess you'll tag it, but I want to start there and I, my stories on my highlights. So that's kind of first and foremost. And I just, I want to connect with, with women that are grieving, that are going through, um, they're in that dark place and just want some practical verses or anything to get out of that because I've been there, I've done it and scripture works, but also, you know, just community works. And so I feel like that's my heart is just connecting, you know, and being that friend, being that, um, you know, helping people. Yes. I'm so excited that you're starting this like little community because I think you do have so much to say and so much wisdom behind all this stuff because even though it's the 1%, a lot of other people have gone through either earlier miscarriages or, you know, even just loss in general. It's, I think it's going to be really exciting to see like what it morphs into. So I will for sure (laughs) tag you or link your Instagram and I'm just so thankful for you. I'm so glad you could take this time. Is there anything else you kind of wanted to share? I think it's a great process. And I think just a reminder for women that may be walking through, you know, it's just been really recent. It's been seven years for me. And it's been really recent. I think initially I felt like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna minister. I had some girls that were going through it and like six months, a year after and boy, I'll tell you, yeah, yep. yeah. I mean, it, it is a process and I think that surprised me. So don't be surprised by your process of your own process of grief yep. and how it takes shape because it's, yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily think it's healthy to jump into stuff like that, <laughs> like right away. <laughs> At least for me and you, it wasn't healthy. <laughs> no, not at all. Cause I was I literally would be bawling, like responding to someone. And it's like, oh, that's not, yeah. (laughs) And you don't ever get over it. You're never like, it's, it's will always be there. But, you know, through the word and Jesus and counseling and community, And years and more children, like God gives us almost like this healing yeah. deep takes place. And then when, you know, as the healing kind of progresses, then it's like, it gets to be easier and easier to like, yeah. just acknowledge and yeah, kind of walk into right. someone's process. Right. You know. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Special thanks to Amy for just making this work. We appreciate your story. We thank you for just being open about something that is so beyond difficult. And I'm just so glad that you're in my life. Well, thank you guys. And we will see you next time. Bye. You've been listening to the Embracing Chaos podcast. Feel free to rate my podcast, subscribe, find me on Instagram, Facebook, all the things. And don't forget to go follow Amy on Instagram as well. Thanks guys.